Well, hello there. You're listening to Gyno. If you're tuning in for the first time today, Gyno is a Seneca word for music or song. I'm your host, Brett Mabian. Each week we take a listen to some incredible music from different indigenous artists from across Turtle Island. So, for the next hour, you're invited to pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee or warm milk, and enjoy the music. Russell Wallace of the Lillawatt Nation has been artistically active for nearly 40 years. He got his start in radio back in 1983, and throughout the decades, he's composed soundtracks for film, television, theater, and dance productions across the U.S. and Canada. He's a founding member of the Aboriginal Writers Collective West Coast. He's written poetry and short fiction, and he's a producer of fine musical albums. Today, our listening is centered around his latest release, Unseated Tongues. It's the first of his albums written primarily in Statlium, the language of the Lillawatt Nation. It belongs to the Salish Linguistic Group. Now, there's a good chance that you don't understand Statlium. However, today your invitation is to connect with the voice on a much more primal level than that. Before you understood words as an infant, you understood melody. You understood the sound of a voice, and you could connect in that way. And today, you can do the same. We have a fascinating discussion ahead about land reclamation, language reclamation, even reclaiming the influences on modern music. He's a man of many talents with a healthy sense of humor. I'm excited for our chat. Kicking off our listening today is The Water Will Cleanse Me from Russell Wallace's Unseated Tongues. Turn it up and sing along. You're listening to Gyno.
from Russell Wallace's Unseated Tongues album, released early 2021. That's The Water Will Cleanse Me, kicking off our listening for today's edition of Gyno. If you're just now tuning in, it's your host, Brett, maybe, checking in with you. And well, as uh, you might have already gathered, Russell Wallace is my esteemed guest today. And it is an incredible honor to welcome you to the show today, Russell. And good day to you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me today. I appreciate you accepting the invitation and uh, for providing the opportunity to talk about your long career and the various projects that you've been involved with and especially the importance of what the Unseated Tongues album is really all about. And uh, as we continue to uh, get deeper into this conversation, I, I really want to talk about the album from the language reclamation standpoint, because I think this is an important topic uh, all throughout Indian country right now. But uh, we'll, we'll start off on a little bit of a lighter note, I, I suppose. Uh, uh, could you tell listeners out there a little bit about yourself? Yeah, it's not so much a lighter note these days after COVID and all. It's a little more heavier than usual. But, Touché. Um, Touché. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Russell Wallace. I come from the Lilawat Nation and the Stadlium Nation. Uh, here in BC, and um, yeah, I, I learned a lot of uh, songs, and I uh, learned how to sing from uh, my mom, Flora Wallace, who was from a community called Hatlip, which is near Lillooet, and um, so she learned songs from her aunties in Lillooet, and when she married my dad, she moved to Mount Curry and learned songs from there, and so yeah, all her life she was teaching us these songs and, and, you know, getting us to sing these in the community when we were young. Uh, so that's my background in music. Uh, I have very little um, background in Western music, uh, but, I, you know, I learn here and there when I work with different musicians. And uh, over the years, I've uh, composed music for theater, dance, and film. Um, and, yeah, so whenever I can, I do put out music on, well, what used to be called CDs back in the day. Ancient uh, no. artifacts. <laughs> Ancient artifacts, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit about me. So uh, I, you've been doing this for a long, long time, and you work with a lot of jazz musicians, but if I'm understanding correctly, you're not necessarily schooled then, yeah? Uh, no. Ah, all right. Well, hats off to you. Well, the good thing about jazz is you can improvise a lot, and that's what I do with my everyday life. I improvise. <laughs> well, I think there's a, a lot to be said about that way of life as well, right? I mean, it's like what Miles Davis said, right? It's not the note that you play, but the note that comes after it that means the most, yeah? Uh, yeah. Uh, with this being said, obviously you've won a lot of different awards. You've been involved in a lot of various projects like that. Um, we're talking, you've composed plays and dance projects. You won the Leo Award for the Best Musical Score with uh, 1491, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Is that based off of the book? Uh, loosely, yeah. Yes, it is. It's a mini series that was broadcast on APTN and a lot of different stations around the world. And yeah, it just looks at life in the Americas before before Columbus came over. It seems to me that uh, a lot of your work is really in establishing spaces uh, that otherwise wouldn't be there. For instance, uh, as a founding member of the Aboriginal Writers Collective on the West Coast there, uh, how did you uh, get involved in this music scene as is? Well, <laughs> it's a little ancient history, so some of it I don't remember quite well. <laughs> but um, I actually, I've 
got into radio when I was young. And uh, back in the early 80s, I was working at uh, Co-op Radio, which is like a small independent radio station. And, um, you know, we put on the student radio show every, you know, every week. And, you know, I went to the programmer and I said, well, where's, you know, the native show? And he said, well, here, I'll give it to you. You do something. You create it. And <laughs> so, we, yeah, I worked with um, uh, Sadie Warnstaff and um, Val Dudaward, and we created uh, the first native show on, you know, on co-op radio back in 1983. And so, but I mean, back then, I was like, there wasn't a lot of indigenous music on, you know, on record. Like, I mean, we had a few records. We, you know, we had Redbone and (laughs) Buffy St. Marie, and then we had some of the smaller, you know, independent stuff like Willie Thrasher and, you know, Willie Dunn and Mm -hmm. different things. David Campbell was another one back in those days. And so, but, you know, at that that time, I realized, wow, there isn't a lot of access to indigenous music. And, you know, we'd go to powwows and pick up cassette tapes from different people. And so, yeah, it was a very small industry at that time. And and then I, I've always done music, like I've always sang, like I've always been involved in music. And uh, it wasn't until I got to theater school that I, you know, kind of thought, okay, I can I can actually work in this. Because I was before that, I was really shy. I mean, I had a hard time speaking on radio. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, there's more really to that. it than people think. <laughs> <laughs> there is, <laughs> and uh, you know, I realized well, and and working with the other students, we put on you know student theater pieces, sure. and every play needed music, and you know, I, there was a guitar there, so I just play around with the guitar and improvise things in between scenes and. That's when I realized, I was like, well, you know, I, I can actually compose things for theater or dance. And, you know, after that, people were hiring me, like, a lot of times for, you know, doing little independent films or, you know, performance art stuff. So, like, working with Dana Claxton, who's a filmmaker, and, you know, she hired me to do a couple of soundtracks back in the late 80s, early 90s, and then working with Loretta Todd after that. So, like, all of these people that I knew from theater school were developing their own careers, and they remembered that I did some of the music for theater work. And so, yeah, it just kind of grew out of that. And, you know, eventually working with, you know, at the Banff Center with the Aboriginal Dance Project and uh, the Aboriginal Women's Voices Project with Sadie Buck was another really great opportunity and so each step I learned so much and you know that's kind of given me a background and yeah. where I am today <laughs> yeah down in the trenches you didn't have to do the schooling you were getting getting your hands dirty getting in there doing it yeah <laughs> yeah you know Russell uh, hearing you talk about uh, your perception of uh, of the lack of representation in the early 80s uh, uh, sadly enough I feel kind of mirrors my initial experience with radio as I started to do a lot of the work for Gyno, and as I was getting it going back in 2015, you know, I I started to also have this feeling like, wow, there really 
is no way to find what you're looking for. You have to know what it is you're looking for. So sadly, I almost feel like, you know, the more things change, yeah, obviously technology has made things more accessible. But as far as that mainstream representation goes, I, we're still severely lacking. Are you finding that as well? That, that is true. You know, and I never really thought about it in that way. It's like, yeah, there's there's so many artists, indigenous artists now and but yeah, you do have to know who you're looking for and what you're looking for because yeah, there's no centralized way of promoting the music. Like you know, back in the day, you had record companies and you had radio stations, and you know now it's like, you know, I I, I rarely listen to radio now, like because I just I yeah, have yeah, no connection yeah. to it. And I mean, I mean, like <laughs> in the car when you know, because sure. in Vancouver there's not much. <laughs> I mean, well, there's co-op radio, and they they do do some cool shows and stuff. Yeah. And but when I'm driving, like all the cool shows come out at night, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can definitely understand where you're coming from on that as well. When we come back, I'm really excited to uh, dive more into a focused discussion on unseated tongues, the meaning behind the album name, and a whole lot more. So at this time, we're going to get right back into it. Uh, before this block is up, we got some Mildred Bailey, and I want to talk a little bit about her as well. In addition, have some Salish Seas, and kicking things off from Russell Wallace's Unseated Tongues, released January 2021. You're invited to enjoy this one, the songs I Rise, and you're listening to Gaina.
Samantha Crane, and you're listening to Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Check it. 
Mildred Bailey's Rockin' Chairs. We wind down the first block of our listening pleasure today on Gyno. If you're just now tuning in, Russell Wallace is my featured artist today. We're listening to tracks from his unseated tongues. And, uh, of course, the playlist today is going to be as eclectic as Russell's musical tastes and all of his various uh, talents. And uh, you're going to hear that continuously throughout today's listening. And uh, Mildred Bailey, there are a couple reasons why I wanted to uh, bring her up today. Uh, she is a, I, I guess it would be considered a, a little bit of a distant relative down in Coeur d'Alene, but nonetheless, there is still uh, a connection there as well, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Salish Linguistic Group is quite a large area, and uh, yeah, the the plateau area, like, you know, what they call interior Salish, which is, you know, what Mount Curry and Lillewood are part of, and, and Coeur d'Alene is part of, um, there's simil- similarities in the language and similarities in some of the, you know, singing and the songs and stuff. So um, when I found out, you know, Mildred was indigenous, and when I found out she was Salish, you know, I, I heard her song and it, and it really hit me. Some of the, you know, the way that she was singing sounded like a lot of the elders in our community, like the women elders who would sing you know, really high and like really, you know, really cool um, vocal techniques. And mm. and I thought, wow, you know, she's <laughs> definitely interior Salish. <laughs> you can instantly hear that influence in her voice when you listen, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to include her. I did hear a previous interview that you were a part of, and you were talking about her influence on, on the entire jazz scene. Frank Sinatra was influenced by her. Of course, uh, she helped out Bing Crosby early in his career, uh, turned him on to Louis Armstrong, as legend has it. But a lot of the conversation uh, right now seems to be focused around reclamation, and Rumble did a great job in reclaiming the indigenous influence in uh, rock and roll and uh, of course uh, people uh, it's becoming a little bit more common knowledge anyway about um, Charlie Patton and his influence as an indigenous person on the birth of the blues but jazz is another area that I I don't think we talk about enough again and and as we're talking about reclamation it is important to give tribute to the pioneers who really brought some of these defining uh, characteristics to the art form yeah, and def- definitely Mildred was one of those people who, you know, unknowingly brought indigenous music into jazz. And so, you know, her her technique, yeah, was copied by Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. And Tony Bennett cites her as a specific inspiration for the way he sings. And so all the, you know, crooners and jazz singers today owe a lot to... Mildred Bailey and, you know, owe a lot to indigenous music. So, you know, I, I don't like it when people say, well, indigenous people didn't really influence modern music. And it's like, well... Every step along the way. Every step along the way. <laughs> <laughs> On the same note, uh, we're talking about Mildred Bailey and, and her influence. And, and I want to shift at this time now uh, more to uh, unseated tongues and, and the overall scope of this. And... Uh, People seem to be really intrigued with the title of it, and uh, you're comparing our languages to the land as well, yeah? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I know the elders always told us, you know, the language and the land are together, and so, you know, if you lose your, 
land, you lose your language, and if you lose your language, you lose your land. So there, you know, it's all tied in together, and and you know, we we never willingly gave away our land, and you know, we never willingly gave away our our language. So you know, these things are, you know, colonialism hit hard on sure. you know both those fronts, and so you know. Me, I'm not fluent in my language, but I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And you know, I learned from my mom, you know, a little bit. Um, but I was the youngest of eleven kids, and you know, I grew up in the city, so sure. <laughs> wasn't a lot of opportunities to to learn it. And, and my dad made made the decision. He told my mom not to teach us younger ones a language. He thought it would we'd be better off learning English primarily. And you know, because well, both of them went to residential school, and you know they didn't want to see us face similar things. I guess and there is, on a subconscious level, an idea that we'll be punished if we learn the languages. And of, of course, being a product of those schools, that's that's a history that all of us can share. But what we all are trying to do right now is bring these influences into the space. We're indigifying the space all along, and I think that's what I love most about Unseated Tongues. It's uh, sung almost primarily in Statlium, correct? Yeah, there's only one song where it's in English, and it was just a song I wrote about uh, where my mom grew up as Lillooet, and so a little bit of historical yeah. <laughs> stuff in that song. But yeah, primarily it is in the language, and, and a lot of it is taking phrases and stringing them together and seeing what comes out of it and and you know with the song i rise it's uh it's just one phrase just repeated over and over throughout the whole song and you know i I thought well i can do that because you know there's you know a pop song called tequila and that's all you you know the only (laughs) word you hear in it (laughs) yeah well and it becomes a little bit of a mantra of sorts as well yeah yeah and i rise is sort of uh you know, I mean, getting out of the bed in the morning is like I rise. But I mean, also, you know, could mean I rise to, you know, reclaim the land, reclaim my language, yeah. and fight for the for, fight for my friends and family around me. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, speaking of these phrases uh, that you would hear, um, the song that we're going to hear next is "Please Come Back to Me," and it's my understanding that this song holds a special significance in your heart, as it was something again from your youth. I was wondering if you could tell listeners a little bit more about what they're about to hear. Yeah. Well, I, originally I just you know wrote the music first, and I was singing along, and and uh, I, I take. I took some words from a song that my mom would always sing and sang along with it and said, oh, this actually kind of matches really well. And, and you know, when I assembled it and put it together, I realized, you know, the song that my mom was singing was, uh, yeah, well, the words are saying, uh, my heart really aches for you. Please come back to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she'd sing it, she'd cry a little bit sometimes and tell a story that her aunt taught her this song and her aunt is the one that wrote the song and she'd say that her aunt would tell her it came from a time when people were dying and they thought it was the end of the world and because my aunt lost her a lot of her cousins and aunties and uncles and loved ones in the communities and and i realized she was talking about the 1918 pandemic and the spanish flu and when the soldiers came back to Lillooet, a lot of they passed on the, the Spanish flu into the communities, and 
And I, I remember, yeah, within two months in Lillooet, there was a lot of deaths in our community. And, and yeah, it did feel like an apocalyptic kind of a thing. And, and my aunt survived that. And, like, but she was so hurt by that. And she wrote that song like it's a grieving type of a song. And, and so when I, when I sing it, like, I, I think about the pandemic now. And, you know, and yes, I've lost loved ones to COVID. And, past year and it's been it's been tough and uh you know i hope we get a handle on it and and yeah so it's just sort of a hundred years later the song is still relevant um yeah (laughs) means a lot
are listening to Gaino with Brett Maybe. I was wondering if you could tell people who you are. Ah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Water is life.
Andy Schofield, just one of the amazing collaborators on On Seated Tongue, Russell Wallace's latest album. Welcome back. You're listening to Gyno. Uh, we have just a little bit more time. I am joined on the line with Russell today, and uh, we're discussing his On Seated Tongues album. As we get ready to wind down our conversation today, I, what's on the horizon for you? What kind of future plans do you have on? Well, actually, in September, I'll be starting a new job with uh, Vancouver Community College. And uh, I've been hired as the director for Indigenous Vocal Ensemble. So I'll be, you know, teaching people, you know, how to sing and singing some Indigenous music. And so it's it's a new uh, program through the college. And I'm really excited by it because I've, you know, the last 20 years, that's what I've been doing in the community. And now to be working inside a music school is so, you know, it's, it's cool and you know, being able to share these songs and teach people <laughs> these mm-hmm. songs, it's, it, it'll be great. Uh, so it is a, a vocal ensemble. Is it all going to be a cappella then, or are you going to be able to bring in uh, some modern elements to the, the project? Um, it, 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 yeah, it'll be primary a cappella. Uh, but, you know, I'll bring in hand drums and rattles and, and things just to kind of... Yeah, I mean, I don't have any specific plans at the moment. I just kind of, I, I work, you know, with whoever is in the class and work with their uh, strengths or what they want mm-hmm. to accomplish. And But yeah, it, it could change. I mean, we might <laughs> add piano to something if it need, needs to be there. Or, yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm looking at singing in unison and singing in harmony. So uh, harmony has been a big part of my life. And People hear voices in their head. I, I hear harmonies in my head. <laughs> That's a good way to walk about life. I look forward to forthcoming projects from the Indigenous Vocal Ensemble. Uh, and uh, well, it sounds like you have a lot of different projects at certain stages of percolation, and I, I'm super excited for what comes next. And uh, I guess my last question for you today before we wrap up is where can people find you at, Russell? Well, I... I do have work on band like unseated tongues is on bandcamp and uh bandcamp is a great uh site because you know if you're an artist and looking to put stuff online i yeah i would suggest bandcamp and uh but i do also have music on itunes and apple music and spotify and the other streaming services which give you access to the music It's been an honor to have you on Gyno today. I look forward to future conversations, and uh, I can't thank you enough for all of the important work that you're doing in helping to reclaim our languages, our lands, and uh, for all the work that you've done for the last 30 years in helping to blaze the trail and make sure that that representation is there. Mm. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me.
For this and past episodes of Gyno, log on to gynomusic.fm or nv1.org. Also, to discover more music from incredible indigenous artists, be sure to check out the Native Artist Directory at nativeartistdirectory.com. Native American Radio Network.